Welcome to Gracious Words. Gracious Words is taken from the weekly women's Bible study taught by Cheryl Broderson at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California. We behold your glory, God, in the face of Christ. It shows us who you are, revealing who you are. On today's program, we're going to continue our look at faith. We'll see that there is evidence for us to believe and put our trust in God. part two of Cheryl's message titled, Not a Blind Faith. It would include obvious indications or markers of the truth, the substance of the case. It would include articles of support. You know how I loved Perry Mason. May I bring into evidence article number one? You know, and then um, I'd like to submit this into evidence. And what is evidence? It's the Proofs that are building the veracity of the case. They are not making the truth happen. They are proving that that the truth is truth, right? They're giving foundation to the case. They are bringing revelation to what the truth is. They are not showing what didn't happen, but what did happen. Faith is both a noun and a verb. As a noun, it is the substance of what we believe about God. He uses the word hope for, but when the Bible uses the word hope, hope or hope, it's not like, I wish it would happen. It is our sure and certain expectation. For instance, I don't hope necessarily that my birthday will be in April because it will be. It happens every year. I used to love it. Now it's like, oh no, it's coming. It's taking me closer to the end. But my birthday is certain. So I have an expectation that my birthday's coming. I do not have an expectation that Brian will get me a present, but I have an expectation of my birthday. Brian says this on my birthday. So what did I get you? And I I usually say, you were extra generous this year. But faith, as far as substance as a noun, it is the sum total of what we believe. Therefore, our faith is here in the word of God because the word of God tells us what the substance of our faith is, what the argument of our faith is. Because the word of God tells us what God is like, what God has done, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, what sin is or the problem of mankind, and how man can be saved. And it tells us what the future holds. So faith is the handbook. It's the substance 
of our faith. It's the Bible. It's the foundation of all we believe. And one of the reasons we chose this graphic, I don't know how many of you have been to Yosemite, but, but here is this granite rock that cannot be moved. In fact, it says that years ago, somehow it split and, you know, half dome. And so you just got half of the dome. Whatever happened to the other half, no one's sure. But here's half of the dome. But it's so substantial, it's granite. I mean, you try to move that thing. It, it can't be moved. It's there. And your faith is strong. It's substantial. It's rock solid. The word of God is true and it is proven. But faith is also a verb. The Greek word for faith is the word pestis. That's how it's pronounced, pestis. It is the substance of what we believe, but it is also the conviction and investment in what we believe. It is the believing and the action that accompanies true belief because we act on what we believe. Someone told me that kale is good for me. I believe them. So I started eating kale, putting it in shakes, salads. If we believe the weather report that there will be rain, we do what? We carry an umbrella. We prepare for rain, don't we? Because we believe the weatherman. We believe the report. So we act according to what we believe. In Hebrews 11, the author offers evidence of faith. And he shows the evidence of faith in the lives of ordinary people. He shows the reality of faith. Here is what it looks like. Here is the proof, and the proof of faith is the way it transforms ordinary people. Hebrews 11 is often called the hall of faith, or it's the red carpet of the faith Grammys, or the faith Oscars, whatever you prefer. On this red carpet are ordinary women and men who simply believe the word of God the substance of faith, and acted on it. I've just been reading Jeremiah. I just finished Jeremiah, but in chapters 36 and 44, you have these individuals who, even though Jeremiah was giving them the word of the Lord, these people chose to believe lies over the word of God. They chose to believe delusions of false prophets over the word of God. They chose to believe their fears above the word of God. They come to Jeremiah and they said, Jeremiah, look, the Babylonians, we see that everything you said came true. Everything you said about Babylon destroying Jerusalem and taking the majority of Israel as captive to Babylon, we see that it all came true. But now the circumstances have happened and Gedaliah, who Nebuchadnezzar put over the exiles who were, I'm sorry, put over those who were left in Jerusalem, the poor people, he was murdered. And now we're afraid that Nebuchadnezzar is going to come back and kill us. So we're thinking about going to Egypt. Will you get a word for us from the Lord and tell us what we should do? 
And Jeremiah said, yes. So Jeremiah goes away for 10 days. He prays, he comes back to them and he says, don't go to Egypt, stay here. Nebuchadnezzar will show his favor, but we must not go to Egypt. And they said, uh, thank you, but we're totally afraid and we're too scared to stay. So we're gonna go to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, you are listening to your fears above the word of God. We do that, don't we? We listen sometimes to our fears above the word of God. God's word is truth. And God's word speaks to us about the way of salvation. We must act on its directives. And what we see in this list as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to see that the notables of Hebrews 11 are not necessarily the names and people you would expect. It is not a list of priests. Rather, it is commoners. And among them are shepherds and fathers, a wife who became a mother, construction workers, sons, a murderer, a prostitute. See, it's going to get really dicey a farmer, a captain, boys who became men, and unnamed heroes and heroines who experienced and endured the extraordinary. The evidence of faith is the extraordinary way, simple trust and adherence in God's word works itself out in our lives. That's where the evidence is. So faith is, now faith is, is this this quality that we need. It's the substance of things hoped for, the sum total of all that we know to be true of things hoped for. Faith is the expectation of everything we believe in God's word. It is all the promises, all the principles, all the propositions, all the stories, all the people, and all the postulates and proverbs given to us in God's word. It is believing God's word above our circumstances, above our fears, above the misinformation given to us. Faith is also the evidence of things not seen. It is the invisible reality of the truth. The evidence of faith is seen in the lives of ordinary people. Faith can be seen or evidence in people's life. Evidence number one, I want to submit to you the jury evidence number one for faith. And it is the good testimony of the elders, the good testimony that the elders achieved. How did the elders, those men and women in the Bible that are held up to us as examples, how did they get this good testimony? How did they offer the right sacrifice? How did they live such perfect lives? How did they do it? They didn't do it by going to the tabernacle or the temple. They didn't do it by living according to the law. They didn't do it by sacrifices or by rituals. Many of those mentioned came even before the law and the sacrifices or the rituals were instituted. And others in this chapter in Hebrews lived at a time or under conditions that made the tabernacle off limits or when the temple was destroyed, like Daniel. It was faith and faith alone that gave them an outstanding story to tell. 
It was because they believed God, who he said he was. They believed that God would do what he said he would and that he had done all he said he would. And as they believed, they lived in accordance to what they knew to be true of God. That was the reason that they had an outstanding testimony. They aligned their lives with God's word. And in aligning their lives with God's word, their lives became extraordinary and gave them a great testimony, a testimony of faith, an extraordinary testimony. Evidence number two, divine understanding, Hebrews 11.3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The understanding you possess by believing what the Bible says about creation, how the worlds, the whole cosmos was made is an evidence of faith. We don't believe that there was a big bang And order came from chaos. We believe that order was given to chaos by the word of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the first point of faith. If you believe in the beginning, God, then you have stepped into the realm of faith. I love Acts 26, 8, where Paul is giving his defense before Herod. And he gets to the resurrection of the dead. And I think Herod must have like been like, oh, no. Because Herod was related to the Sadducees. And the Sadducees didn't believe in any resurrection at all. And when Paul asserted that Jesus was the Messiah and he was risen from the dead, Herod must have given him a look because Paul said, Why should it be thought incredible by you that God should raise the dead? We're dealing with God. Now, if we were dealing with a person, like why should it seem impossible to you that Brad Pitt could raise the dead? Well, he he can't. I don't care how good looking anyone is. You can't raise the dead. Men can't raise men. But when you're dealing with God, who spoke the world into existence, who breathed life into the first man and woman, then nothing is impossible. God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, nothing is too hard for me. Nothing is too hard for me. Evidence. The world is made of invisible particles. This was not understood until the 1900s. In 1800s, it was postulated, but in the 1900s, and especially 1936, through an electron microscope, which had an accelerated beam of light, scientists were able to, for the first time, glimpse atoms and begin to realize that everything that is seen is made from these itsy bitsy tiny particles called atoms. But how long ago did God say that? How long ago did the Bible tell us? 
The evidence of faith is the understanding. It's, it's this divine unction. You know, we see the world and we think, don't they understand as they're sinning, as they're uh, you know, drinking too much, as they think that pot should be legal? You're just like, pot should be legal? Are you kidding me? Sorry, but are you kidding me? I mean, all the, all the things that they're discovering about uh, what it does, how it messes up with the brain chemistry and so many other um, findings and studies, and yet we're going to legalize it anyway because we just want to numb ourselves to life. And I think about how we have an understanding that, that gives us almost like common sense, doesn't it? You kind of look at that and go, that's not going to work out for you. It's not going to work out for you. Years ago, and I mean years ago, before I was ever born or even thought of by anyone but God, my parents lived in Prescott, Arizona. And there was a little church that my dad was the pastor of, a little four-square church in, in Prescott. And just up the hill was this huge boulder. Just And my dad thought, you know, if that boulder wasn't there, You could look out the windows and you'd have such a gorgeous view. I'm just going to roll this six foot by five foot boulder away from the church. My mother walked out. She was about eight months pregnant with my sister. And she said, Chuck, what in the world are you doing? He said, okay, I've got this all figured out. Don't worry about it. Do you see that wood? Do you see these pulleys? I'm going to move these and the rock is going to roll away from the church, and we're going to have a beautiful view. Well, my mom was a woman of faith. And she said, she had understanding. She said, Chuck, that rock's not going to roll that way. It's going to roll right into the church, knock the wall down, and take a couple pews with it. And my dad said, "Mm -hmm, that's what you think. Observe your husband. Because they hadn't been married that long, maybe, maybe 10 months. Watch this. And he began to work on the levee that he created. And sure enough, my mom said the rock began to jiggle. It began to roll the other way and start to move. And it kind of turned on its side. And then she said with a ferocious force, it turned the other way. And with a momentum began to roll. And she said all that she and my father could do was just watch this rock go down the hill, through the wall of the church, dismantling three pews and coming to rest right in front of the wood-burning stove. And she said they ran down there and she said you couldn't even see through the thick cloud of dust. And she's like, oh, Chuck, what have you done? He said, I don't know, but I've got a sermon to prepare. Let's leave this till tomorrow. It was Saturday. Sunday morning, about five o'clock in the morning, they got a call from the caretaker of the church. Chuck, you're not going to believe what happened. You know that rock, which was on the hill next to the church, it just rolled through the, through the wall of the church. My dad said, yes, I, I know. He said, we're lucky it didn't knock out the wood-burning stove. My dad said, yes, I know. And he says, how do you know? said, ah, well, actually, I did it. You did it, Chuck. Why? Well, 
Let me just say that Kay's the one with the understanding. <laughs> By faith, we understand. Faith gives us understanding. That's an evidence of faith. It's an evidence of faith. Evidence number three. We see it in Abel's sacrifice. Abel being a son of Adam, brother of Cain, one of the first men to be born after the fall. He offered to God what God wanted. God wanted a lamb, and it was a more excellent sacrifice. Here is the evidence of Abel's faith. The evidence is that he knew internally in his heart what God wanted. And because he knew what God wanted, he desired to give God what he wanted. The faith that was already in him was revealed or seen when he gave God what God wanted. That's when it was like, oh, Abel has faith because he gives God what he wants. You see, there are a lot of people like Cain who know God. They, they even believe in his reality, but they don't serve God. They, they might believe, we're told that even the demons believe and tremble at the name of Jesus, but they don't serve Jesus. They don't trust and entrust to Jesus. They don't have faith. You see, faith goes beyond just knowing he exists. Faith believes he's a rewarder of those that diligently serve him. They believe Faith believes his word is true and acts on his word and in accordance with the word. This is the evidence that Abel had faith because he gave God. He knew what God wanted and he gave that to God. G.D. Watson said this, and I don't know who he is. I just like what he said. Our limitless trust in God seems to satisfy God as nothing else can do because it corresponds with God's eternal faithfulness. It honors God's veracity, and it is a constant silent worship of all of God's perfections. God wants our faith, our genuine trust and belief in him. And when we have faith, we will give God what he wants. What does he want? When in John chapter six, when they came to Jesus and they said, what can we do to do the will of God? He said, this is the will of God that you believe in him whom the father has sent. This is the will of God. This is faith to believe in Jesus. This pleases God more than anything else is when you believe in Jesus and you trust and entrust to Jesus because you believe in him. Cain wanted to offer God what he wanted to offer God. There are people that say, I'll give God, I'll give God money, but let him stay out of my sexual appetite. I want to sleep with whoever I want to sleep with, but I'll give God any money. I'll, I'll tithe to the church. I just don't want to live in accordance with the word of God. Or, you know, I'll give God Sunday mornings, as long as I can live Monday through Saturday any old way I want. That's not giving God what he wants. Faith says, I want to give God what God wants. I had a friend who two years in a row gave me the same present. It was large. It was ugly. 
and it didn't match one item in my home. In fact, I had just gotten rid of the first present when she gave me the exact same present again. And I just looked at it and she didn't realize she'd given it to me before. And I thought, you know, I'm not gonna call her friend anymore. We act according to what we believe. In Hebrews 11, the author gives evidence of faith as lived out in the lives of ordinary people. The proof is their transformed lives. Nothing has changed since then. The power of faith in God is still at work today. Faith begins when we believe the word of God and act on it, trusting that God is who he says he is and that he will do as he promises. As we live this out and align our lives with God's word, our faith grows and we gain a great testimony that displays God's transforming power. We hope you have been blessed by today's Bible study. For more information about the Gracious Words radio program and the teaching ministry of Cheryl Broderson, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. Coming up next time on the Gracious Words program, we'll look further at Hebrews 11 as we continue our series, Our Great Faith, in the book of Hebrews with Cheryl Broderson. We do hope you make plans to join us. Again, for more information, please visit our website at graciouswords.com. This program is sponsored by Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.